Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5 is where we're going to be tonight. Page 1254 in your old Schofield Reference Bible. And I want to thank you for being back in church tonight. You know, there was a whole debate among state governments a few months ago, and in some states it's still kind of going on, whether or not church is essential. You know, church is very essential. We need church. I say it off time on the radio broadcast. We don't need less church. We need more church. And as I look back over my life, I might have some regrets, maybe things that I've said, maybe things I've done, maybe a way that I've acted as a parent or as a husband. But you know what? I've never regretted staying in church. I can't say that I've ever regretted one mile of being in church and being faithful Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And there was, there was times where I was tired and maybe times where I just thought, well, is it really worth it? But I'm glad that I've stayed in church God, there's something about the preaching of the Word of God and being together with God's people. God uses preachers to convict us, and I said us, in an area in an areas where we need maybe to tidy up on or areas where we need to kind of hit the reset button. And so tonight we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And just by way of introduction, kind of the summary of the book of Ephesians, it is a book about God's amazing grace that they just sung about. Aren't you thankful tonight for the grace of God? You know, six, there's six chapters in the book of Ephesians. You can really kind of cut the book in half. The first three chapters speak about our exalted position in Christ. The fact that, hey, we're nothing. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, but by his mercy he saved us. And so we're exalted in Christ because of Lord Jesus Christ. What a great position that is to be made exalted, to be made to sit in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. So we're chosen, we're predestinated, not predestinated for salvation. We're not handpicked for salvation. The Bible, we know that the Bible says, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We're predestinated to be like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're predestinated to be holy and without blame before him. Both Jew and Gentile alike are saved by grace through faith. So we see in the beginning three chapters, we see our exalted position. But then if you jump down to chapters 4 through 6, we see our exemplified purpose, meaning we have an example given to us in chapters 4 through 6 of how we are to walk. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse number 1, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So I want to challenge you tonight, Woodland Baptist Church, let's walk worthy. You know our walk. Our witness and our warfare, it should not be done in the flesh, but through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We need God's filling. We need God's spirit. And I kind of touched on it this morning when I spoke about the manifestation of salvation. What happened? We're a new creature because Christ is living inside of us. We're a new creation because the Holy Spirit has now taken up residence within us. Let's read Ephesians 5 and verse number 13 through 18. We're going to speak about this subject tonight of being, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to speak about three truths about the Spirit's 
filling. Ephesians 5, verse number 13, the Bible says, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then verse number 18 is kind of where we're going to just zero in on. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. It comes after the first command. The first command in that verse says, and be not drunk with wine. And then it gives us kind of a con both a contrast and a comparison that we're to be filled with the Spirit. The contrast is, hey, you have wine, you can be drunk. And then the opposite of that is, but the Bible says, hey, but be filled with the Spirit. The comparison here is, hey, just like somebody that can be consumed with alcohol and they can be consumed by that alcohol, they might do things because of that alcohol that maybe they normally, they wouldn't maybe say certain things. They might not do certain things, but because they're under the control of that alcohol, now they're doing things that maybe normally they wouldn't do. And the Bible says, hey, in that same way, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. I want you to do certain things that maybe you normally wouldn't do. I want you to take out a gospel track and hand it to somebody that maybe you normally wouldn't, wouldn't feel peace to talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ. But because my spirit is living inside of you, I want you to do things that you're not normally accustomed to doing. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, in verse number 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It's the opposite of being filled with the Spirit. So we see the contrast of the flesh versus the Spirit. There is a comparison. You take a man drunk and under the influence of alcohol and led of the Holy Spirit, what's the common denominator? What's consistent in both? Both are controlled and surrendered by what fills them. You take a drunk person, they're filled with alcohol, that's what's inside of them. That's what's controlling them. You take a saved man who is born again, but not just born again, but filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now he's consumed with that. Now when he goes to work on Monday morning and they begin to tell jokes and they begin to talk about their unrighteousness that they had, now we're saved. Maybe we'll just get up and walk away from that, or we won't be part of that conversation, or maybe we'll take that opportunity to say, yeah, well, I was in church Sunday morning, and guess what? I even went back Sunday night, and we heard a preacher holler and foam at the mouth and everything, and tell us how to be filled with the Spirit. We'll be consumed by that Spirit. Let me ask you tonight, right now, tonight, are you controlled by the Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit of God. You know what? We as Christians, we have both the duty, it is a duty, but we also have the privilege to be filled with the Spirit. I'm glad, hey, I have that duty, but I have that privilege. I can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The filling of the Holy Spirit is the fuel of the Christian life. You know, as you think about most cars today, fuel 
is what, what powers them. I know we have hybrid vehicles and we've got these electric vehicles that are becoming more and more popular, but without fuel and these gas-powered engines, uh, without fuel, you're not going to go anywhere. I've often wondered as I traveled up and down the highways, you know, my wife and I, we have <clears throat> three cars. None of them are newer than 10 years old. We've got a 2001, a 2007, and a 2011. And it cracks me up sometimes. I'll be going up the road in, in one of our vehicles, and I'll look over. The other day this happened to me. I looked over, and I saw a beautiful Dodge Challenger car. You know, probably can, probably can make my Camry just look like an old granny car or something. But, I mean, it was sitting on the side of the road, and I think, how does a brand-new Dodge Challenger end up on the, on the side of the road? probably wasn't mechanical issues, probably, and I always, I always think to myself, eh, they probably ran out of gas, and I often think they just ran out of fuel, and I guarantee you the owner of that car wished they had kept that car filled up. Have you ever felt like in your own life that you were on the side of the road, you're empty, and you're out of fuel? One of the most frustrating feelings is to run out of fuel in a vehicle. Why? because a vehicle was designed to take you somewhere. I mean, that's why that vehicle was designed. Without fuel, it is useless on the side of the road. Christian, you have been designed to be with and to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. You're to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're to spend time with him. You're not to be on the side of the road. You know, without the fuel and the filling of the Holy Spirit, you'll end up useless and on the side of the road spiritually. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Jump back a couple pages. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13. The Bible says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You know, I said this morning, at the moment that you're, you're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. We are all of the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get. You're not going to get any more of the Holy Spirit as it relates to salvation. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment on everything that he promises to us. If you've ever bought a house, you know how the, the whole purchase offer pro, uh, process works. You know, when you go to buy a house, you put down an offer. And then at the bottom of that contract, they ask you to put down some earnest money. And what that earnest money is, it says, hey, I'm really interested in this house. I'm so interested in it that I'm going to put down 1% or I'm going to put down 2% because I want to buy that house. And what happens, whether that thing, if it's accepted, you have X amount of days to get that deposit in. And, but there's something about that earnest payment. You don't get that back. And that's the same way it is with God himself. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He's not going to take that Holy Spirit back from us. We have the Holy Spirit until the day that we get on to heaven. God gave us the Holy Spirit as, as down payment. Now, we, we speak about the filling. Now, the question is... How much, not, it's, the question is not how much of the Holy Spirit you have, but the question now becomes, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? How much control of your life does the Holy Spirit have? Every believer has the Holy Spirit. But here's where it lies. But the Holy Spirit doesn't have every believer. I guarantee you, if we were to take a poll this week and see about the, this past week in your life, I guarantee you some were consumed by the Holy Spirit. 
Some were consumed by the flesh. They just did whatever they felt like doing. Maybe they watched something on their phone. Maybe they watched something on the TV they shouldn't have watched. Maybe they had a thought process they shouldn't have. But every believer has the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does not have every believer. Our desire should be to have his filling. As I look around, you know, people are looking for substitutes in their life. You know, there's no substitutes for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We begin to trade out good old worship with a rock band. We begin to trade old, trade out a regular church service with these dark lights and the strobe lights. Why? Because we want to try to, to try to trade Holy Spirit conviction and we want to trade that to make, just make everyone feel good. Woodland Baptist Church does not exist to make everyone feel good. We want old time Holy Spirit conviction. We want people that walk into our building if they're unsaved. We want we want to be hospitable. We want to be kind and all that, but we want them to be saved first and foremost. I don't care. We don't care what they think of us on the way out as far as, well, they, they were a little too hard or they preached the Bible plain. That's okay. I think that's what the Lord Jesus would do if he was here. We don't want to just make everyone feel good, but we should warn against that. But more importantly, we ourselves should be consumed with being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I want to be filled. We need the fire burning in our churches. We need the Holy Spirit's moving. We need the altar being filled. We need to keep that fire burning. If you've ever experienced the fire, you are not satisfied with the smoke. If you have ever experienced that old time conviction and you experience that fire, you are not satisfied with just the facade of the smoke. Well, I believe this church has had the touch of God on it for these past 102 years. But let me tell you, Woodland is not above having its fire go out. I can take you a church, to a church in the Midwest, in Michigan, a great preacher, a good preacher, built a fabulous work. The Lord used him in a mighty way. That church basically is not even in existence. It's become just a praise and worship type place. I can take you to a church in Tennessee, a great man of God, filled the, the, the place with seats, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 people, and now there's not even a church there. What I'm saying is, may we be challenged to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I want to look at three basic truths tonight about the Spirit's filling. The Spirit's filling. Number one, there is an evil prompting the command. There is an evil prompting the command. So in Ephesians 5, in verse number 18, the Bible says, but be filled with the Spirit. But if you look back at verse number 16, it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How easy it is to fall and to be filled with the flesh. If we're not filled with the Spirit, you can be filled with self. Look at Ephesians 5 and verse number 15. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And so we see this word filled several times throughout the Bible. We see it in Luke chapter number 4 and verse number 28. It says, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, well, there's that word, were filled with wrath. So you can be filled with wrath. Then we look over at Acts 13 and verse number 45. It says, and they were filled with envy. That's the same word, filled. You can be filled with the Spirit, but you can be filled with wrath. You can be filled with envy. And if we're not careful, we can be filled with the 
flesh. I told you several, several services ago, I told you that uh, our family got, went out and we got a German Shepherd dog, and we, we were enjoying having that dog, and she's been trained some, but one of the things that we haven't been able to train her on yet, and, and I'll try to be as discreet as I can, she hasn't been trained to do one of her bodily functions in a certain area. I mean, she just kind of uses all half acre that we have to do, you know, you know, you know what, you can fill in the blanks, but she does it wherever in our yard. And I've never been one to walk in our yard barefoot, but I can guarantee you I am not going to start now. All righty? And so uh, one, of, but one of my children, I won't say any names, but I've got two. You can try to figure out which one. But one of my children, uh, they, they almost think it's kind of funny to just test the lines and walk around the yard. And uh, this person will tell you, and I can't even reveal the gender. I've got to be careful here. Um, uh, um, but I have, at my house, I have two shovels, one in one corner of the house and one in another corner. So that way I can always get to it real easy, take my shovel, and I try to clean out the yard. I try my best to keep it clean and everything. But I know one of these days I'm going to miss something. And uh, I've got to be careful. I can't say who it was. But one of them, one of these days, is going to go stay and you know what. And so we, I might not catch it all. And, and as soon as this child, usually when they walk inside the house, they'll vouch for me. As soon as they walk in the house, I say, so-and-so, go wash your feet. Because I'm like disgusted that you're going to walk around outside, step in it, come inside the house, and track it all over our floor and everything. So as soon I mean, they take one step in the house, I'm like, go wash your feet. You know, so there they go, doo -doo -doo, into the bathroom, they pull out the scrubber, did you use soap? You know, so I'm talking to them about that, but they just, they almost just enjoy flirting around with something, you know, and they think, I think they think it's kind of fun, but you know what, let me tell you about sin, it's not fun, it's filthy. It's going to trap you. It's not fun. It's filthy. It's forfeiting the filling of the Spirit of God in your life. You know, it may be alcohol, which produces all kinds of excesses. It may be immorality and actions that will ruin your life. These Ephesians, they lived in a wicked, wicked day. And may I submit to you that we live in a wicked, wicked day. There's a prompting. There's an evil prompting the command. I was on the phone with somebody just this week. And in just for Scythe County, I'm not talking nationwide, I'm not talking statewide, but I'm talking just in Forsyth County last year, our county had, had a part in, in doing 1,200 abortions. That may not sound like a lot to you, it may, but if you do the math, that is four a day of just lives being snatched, just like that. And you're trying to tell me we don't live in a wicked world? Then I read something else this week, and now the NCAA, they pushed it. They are allowing now boys that feel like they want to identify as girls, they can now work and uh, play in sports with the girls. We live in a wicked, wicked generation. They try to tell us there's, you know, 50-some-odd genders. I, the Bible says that God created male and female. That's what God created. There, there's, not, uh, there's not this gender, that gender, this gender. Well, I feel like this kind today or that kind today. I don't need to say anymore. We live in a wicked and perverse generation. If we're not careful, we'll get entangled in something that will ruin our lives. Look at Ephesians 4 and verse number 30. The Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know, when we sin, we grieve a holy God. Grieve. What does that word mean? Grieve simply means to do something that would displease God. You know, when we fool around with sin and we choose to sin, we grieve 
the heart of God. We forfeit his filling. Chapter 4 tells us what grieves the Holy Spirit. We were to look down the list. We would see lying. We would see anger. We would see corrupt communication. We would see bitterness. Why do we want to remove this? Because he wants to take our life. He wants to use it for his glory. Our mind, our tongue, our actions, our passion. God wants to use that, but he can't do it with a dirty vessel. Look at Psalm 78 and verse number 40. What a, what a sobering set of verses here. It says, how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness, speaking of the children of Israel, and grieve him in the desert. Look at verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God. And here's a scary, scary phrase. And limited the Holy One of Israel. I don't know about you, but I don't want to limit the Holy One of Israel. I don't want to limit him in our church. I don't want to limit him in my Christian life. I don't want to limit him in my ministry. I don't want to limit him in my family. I don't want to limit him in any way. I don't want that to be said that I limited the Holy One of Israel. Think about Moses who missed out on the promised land simply because of an act of anger and disobedience. You know, I want to ask you, what will you miss out on because of grieving the Holy Ghost? Maybe God has special plans for you. But you say, I just want to go out and do my own thing. I want to live according to the flesh. What will you miss out on because of grieving the Holy Ghost? Right now, tonight, are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? I think of Achan and his secret sin. You know, God came to Achan. He told Achan, he said, Achan, I want you to go and destroy everything. And what did Achan do? He goes over and he looked and he saw all the goodness and he saw all the riches. And he said, hey, I'm going to try to just keep some of this to myself. What did God tell him to do? God, tell him to, to, God told him to destroy it all. I want to ask you tonight, what do you have stashed away that no one knows about but you and God? Is there something between your soul and the Savior? I think about Samson. He was faced with something he had to overcome. And look at Judges 16 and verse number 20. It says, And she said, The Philistines be upon me, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And here's another scary little phrase. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from from him. That little word wist means he knew not that the Lord was departed from him. Boy, I don't want that said of me. I don't want to live my life in the real, and not realize that God has taken his hand off of me. I want to be a spirit filled where God can say, hey, I can use you. I want to use you. So there's an evil prompting the command. And then number two, there's an emphasis proclaimed in the command. Look at Ephesians 5 verse number 18. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. There's an emphasis there. We're not going to make this an English class this, this not tonight, but the tense here, it's a continuous tense. You're supposed to keep on being filled day after day, week after week, month after month. We're supposed to be filled. In the book of Acts, you look and you see the apostles, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And we see that great things were done because of these apostles. You know, it's a state of total and complete Control. It's, it's a, t a state of total and complete surrender, being yielded to the Lord. Let me ask you tonight, right now, are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Now, I'm not in that. I didn't ask you about in years past. I didn't ask you about two weeks ago. I didn't ask you about uh, last year or about a decade ago. But you know what? We are to be filled with the Spirit right now. 
Someone once asked D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a great evangelist of yesteryear back in the 1800s. And someone asked him, they said, Mr. Moody, why do you emphasize the filling of the Holy Spirit? Why do you desire to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit? And here's he said just these three words. He said, because I leak. How many times do we leak in this broken vessel of our life? How many times do we leak I'm going to have Brother Zach get something. I picked this up. I've got one of these at the house, but I didn't want to bring a dirty one, so I bought a new one. But we leak as Christians. This is a simple chicken water feeder. We've now gone, become countrified. So you prayed for the city slicker. I've now understood. You're going to laugh, but in the beginning, I didn't exactly know how this thing worked. I mean, I knew you had to put water in it, but I couldn't figure out there's this little cap here. And I couldn't figure out, once I unscrewed it and kept putting the water in, water just kept spitting out and spitting out. I'm like thinking, uh, this, well, I'm, I'm using 25 gallons to fill up a, what is this, a five-gallon bucket? Yeah, it's taking me forever. But you know what? I finally figured out, whoa, this cap that sits up here, if I will just put it down here and stop the leaking, it's going to get filled up a lot faster. And I can, it can actually stay filled if I'll just keep that cap on. And this is how our Christian life is. Do we plug up the holes? We leak sometimes, but do we plug up the holes? And you know what? In our life, we've got a hole here. We've got a hole here. We've got a hole here. We've got holes everywhere. Every day, we leak out. Every day, water comes out. Every day, the Holy Spirit comes out of us. Every day, we need to be filled back up with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous process. It's a process that we must do daily. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How are you going to stay filled? D.L. Moody said that the only way for the, our broken vessels to remain full is to stay under the tap. Stay under the spigot. I want to encourage you tonight. Stay under God's tap. Stay under the book. Stay under the Word of God. Stay under the tap of the preaching of the Word of God. Stay under the tap of good music. Stay under the tap of church attendance. Stay under the tap of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because we're going to leak just like this. We're going to leak out. We're going to get on the job and someone's going to tell you a dirty joke or someone's going to try to or you're going to get on the job and there's going to be some worldly music and you're just going to feel dirty inside. We've got to stay under the tap. I wonder how many lives have been broken, how many lives have been shattered just because they did not stay under the tap. They didn't stay under the tap of the Word of God. They didn't stay under the tap of the preaching of the Word of God. The church attendance is so important. It's not just something we do, but it's something that we can, can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It's three to thrive. We need to be in services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Some maybe need to decide tonight, hey, I've never come to a Wednesday night service, but I'm going to be back on Wednesday night. It's three to thrive. You get beat up by the world Monday through Friday. It's good to just come back on a Wednesday. Maybe the devil beats you up on Monday. The devil beats you up on Tuesday. The devil beats you up on Wednesday. It's good to get back to the house of God and kind of just hit that reset, and reset button and be around other Christians. It's a continuous feeling, a continuous feeling, we need to make that daily decision to walk in the Spirit. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It is doable. He doesn't command us to do the impossible. It's a command for all of us, not just for pastors, not just for missionaries. It's for 
all of us. It's for the deacons. It's for the church staff. It's for the school staff. It's for the choir. It's for the youth group. It's for the Sunday school teachers. It's for the bus workers. It's for the greeters. It's for the ushers. It's for all of us, the young and the old. It's, it's for the new, new Christian. It's for the old time Christian. It's for the long time Christian. Why do we miss out on it? Because we grieve the Holy Spirit. Then look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 19. 1 Thessalonians 5, real simple. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit. The word grieve, I said earlier, means to do something that would displease God. Quench is the exact opposite. Quench means you're failing to do something that would please God. Do you know that not reading your Bible is a sin? You say, well, how's that? I'm not doing anything wrong. The Bible says we're to hide God's word in our heart. God says, hey, we're to be in his book. You're quenching the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6 and verse 16, it has this, the word quench has the, the picture of putting out a fire. Look at verse number 16 of Ephesians 6. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Do we understand that the devil is throwing fiery darts at us and the only way we're going to put them out is if we quench them. The Holy Spirit wants to do something in your life. If you quench the Spirit, you're putting that fire out. Now there's something about fires. If you think about a fire, there are several ways to put out a fire. You can pour water on it. You can cover it with a non-flammable substance, a.k.a. a fire extinguisher. You can take away the source of its oxygen or a simple, simple way to put out a fire simply to neglect to supply the fuel for that fire. If you take somebody burning a campfire and eventually if you don't keep throwing wood in that fire, what's going to happen? That fire is going to go out. And I'm afraid if we're not careful, we don't supply that fuel in our life. We don't supply that wood. We don't supply the Bible reading. We don't supply the prayer in our life. Are you tonight neglecting to supply the fuel of the Spirit of God? Are you doing what the Holy Spirit commands you to do? Are you, or are you quenching the Holy Spirit? I won't ask for a raise of hands tonight, but let me ask you, over the past two weeks, how many times have you sat down by yourself and pulled out the Bible and read the Word of God? Over the past 14 days, one time, two times, three times, and we wonder why we battle the flesh so much. If we'll get close to the Word of God, I've said it before, this book will keep you from sin, or this book, or this bo this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. If you're living according to the flesh, you won't have too much of a desire to get in God's book. But the more you get around the Word of God, the more you'll desire the things of God. Right now, are you filled with the Spirit of God? So we see there is an evil prompting the command, but we also see there is an emphasis proclaimed. We're supposed to be filled continuously, day in and day out. Then lastly, number three, there are evidences poured out from obedience to the command. You know, the filling of the Spirit is not for an ecstatic experience, but for effective experiences. What do you say, Brother Mark? Well, I'm saying if you get filled with the Holy Ghost tonight, you're not necessarily going to bark like a dog. You won't cluck like a chicken, or you won't laugh like a, a hyena. You won't say, Yamaha, Suzuki, Hyundai, Kawasaki. 
that's not an evidence of the Holy Spirit, but an evidence of the Holy Spirit is the fact that you want to be more like Him and you have an effective experience. You're effective. You can lead people to Christ and you can walk with Him and you can serve Him and you have a, a desire to be around the things of God. You'll understand the Holy Spirit's purpose of your life. You'll be yielded to the Spirit of God. The filling of the Spirit will affect what you say and how you feel, what you do. You'll be under His control. Have you ever thought about a child who had a remote-controlled car? You know, you see these children, they got remote-controlled cars or helicopters or airplanes. Sometimes even adults do, but they're called remote-controlled cars or radio-controlled cars. Well, that particular vehicle, whatever it is, the helicopter, the train, whatever, if it's remote-controlled, it doesn't go where it wants to go. It gets its signal from the controller. There's usually somebody with the controller, and they're pushing the knob with this thumb or pushing the button, and they're telling that thing where to go. It goes where the controller tells it to go. And I want to submit to you tonight, may we go where the controller tells us to go. May we go where he tells us to go. I don't want to be off on my own, doing my own thing, and not be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Here's the problem. The problem sometimes lies with, sometimes there's radio interference. You take a radio control car, maybe you go out to one of these little tracks where they race the, 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 the monster trucks or whatever, and there's radio interference. Sometimes somebody else will have the same channel as you, and they'll pick up that control, and all of a sudden, you're, you think you're controlling your car. You go to turn left, and boom, your car goes to the right. What happens? There was radio interference. And you know what? Sometimes in our life, we get our signals from another source. We, get it, we don't get our signals from the Holy Spirit, but we get our signals from the flesh. And all of a sudden, we wanted to go to the left, but now because we're controlled by the flesh, we're going to the right. Now because we're controlled by the flesh, we go flying into that wall, or we go crashing the airplane straight into the ground. Why? Because there was radio interference. What's, there are evidences poured out from the obedience to his command. Let's look at the evidences real quick. I'm, I'm aware of the time, 633. Ephesians 5, verse number 19. Here's one of the evidences. What's the evidence? You say, well, if I'm filled with the Spirit, what's an evidence of me being filled with the Spirit? Number one, there's singing. The Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I want you to think about those that are spirit-filled. They have a song. They have a praise about them. They'll stand up and give a testimony about how good God is. They love the Lord and they live for the Lord. They'll be singing. Number two, Ephesians 5, verse number 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're singing but there's also satisfaction. There's satisfaction. Are you a thankful Christian tonight? Are you a satisfied Christian? Or are you always grumbling and complaining? Or are you spirit-filled? There's going to be singing. There's going to be satisfaction. And number three, there's going to be submission. The Bible says in verse number 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The Bible says, hey, there's going to be submission. That word sub just simply means under, mission. There's a, you're under a mission. That mission is the great commission. We're to be ambassadors. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, it says, But ye shall receive power 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What's the effect of having the Holy Spirit? Hey, we're going to be witnesses. We're going we're to have a mission. The rest of chapter 5 and chapter 6 speaks about serving the Lord, how we're supposed to be amongst our, our wife or amongst our husband, how we're supposed to be as a parent or as a child or as an employer, as an employee. How then, real quickly, how then can you be filled with the Spirit of God? Number one, confess all known sin. If you have sin in your life, is there anything that's grieving God, some wrong that you are doing? Is there something in your life that you're quenching the Holy Spirit, something that you, you, you're not doing but you should be doing? God can't fill a dirty vessel. He's not going to be able to fill a dirty vessel. He's not going to be able to fill a vessel that just keeps leaking out. If you were to put five or six holes in here and try to fill this up, what's going to happen? That's just, that water is just going to go straight through. Why? We've got to be filled. We've got to plug the holes. How do we plug the hole? We confess our sin. Confess all known sin. Number two, yield yourself completely to the Lord. Maybe tonight you just need to come and say, Lord, I don't know what you have for my life, but I'll do whatever you want me to do. I just want to yield myself to you. Number three, ask for it to be given. Just humbly ask. Every morning when you wake up, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit. If we'll do these things, we'll draw closer to the Lord. If we'll do these things, we'll be, we'll be filled with the, Spirit, with the Spirit. And then lastly, in closing, apply it in your life. Apply it. Take that Holy Spirit's filling and, and obey every spiritual impulse. When God comes to you and say, hey, Raymond, I want you to go and witness for me. Or Raymond, I want you to go do this or do that. Or he comes to Brother Buddy or to maybe, or to Mike Parrish and says, do this or do that. Obey it. O apply it in your life. You know, fuel does no good in a car unless you start the engine and drive. You can put all that fuel in. You can put everything in there, but it does no good unless you start it and you drive it and you apply it in your life. Moody was, was to have a campaign in England, and they were, they were trying to figure out who they were going to have to come and speak. And an elderly man, pastor, he stood up and he protested. He said, why do we need this D.L. Moody? He's uneducated. He's inexperienced, etc. And he went on and on about him. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And a younger, wiser pastor stood up and he said, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. Is that your testimony tonight? Does the Holy Spirit have a monopoly on your life? Does he have full control? I said a little while ago, you have all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to have, but the question lies, how much of the Holy Spirit does he have of you? Does he have a monopoly on your life? I want to ask you in closing, tonight, right now, are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed.